and I wrote a goodbye letter and I just took a handful of pills that I had around the house and prayed to God I didn't wake up. And thankfully I did like two or three hours later. If you're struggling or, or, or contemplating going to therapy, please give it a try because I promise it helps. Just somebody unbiased. Hey everyone, Jason Dennis here. I hope you are doing well. Appreciate you uh, tuning in for the Run the Race podcast as we talk about uh, lots of things related to fitness and faith. And we get into some serious topics sometimes. In fact, uh, if you missed our last episode, it was about a shorter 20-minute one, a solo one, just me, uh, opening up about um, some personal struggles and uh, just being real honest and raw with you about our daughter, Olivia, who's now 20 years old, uh, struggling with anxiety and depression and chronic illnesses for about a decade now, and just what our family has gone through, and maybe it's something you can relate to, uh, just about how God really has brought us through that, and still bringing us through. It's still a long journey ahead. Uh, we're not, we've not arrived at all. And uh, she's, in fact, uh, got her own Christian blog and Instagram called "Your Pain Has a Purpose," really giving some insightful wisdom and uh, just talking, opening up about what she's gone through. I, I listened to some music uh, just this week. Uh, from uh, Lauren Daigle, who is a Christian artist, more mainstream maybe than a lot of Christian contemporary artists. And uh, she, uh, you know, we just crowned a new American Idol. She was on that show uh, about six or seven years ago. And uh, she has a, a new album. And one of the songs really struck with me, the lyrics at least. Uh, and this, you know, kind of relates with Mental Health Awareness Month, which is what we're in now. And um, it's called Thank God I Do. And so uh, maybe some of these lyrics, I'm just going to read a few of them. Maybe, the, maybe they'll speak to you. Uh, I'm not going to sing them because she does a much better job at that. Uh, it says, it's been a hard year, so many nights in tears, all of the darkness trying to fight my fears. Alone, so long alone. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't know you. I'd probably fall off the edge. So, um, you know, Jesus can really do that. He, uh, you know, having that faith in something bigger than yourself uh, really can um, it can help you overcome um, some of those battles, but you still got to fight them, still got to fight those battles. And uh, our guest for this week, he's gone through a lot as well, uh, battling uh, depression for uh, about 15 years now. He is a guy that's trying to uh, change the world one mental health conversation at a time. In fact, he's a, a former TV news reporter and anchor here at WTVM, where I am in Columbus, Georgia, south of Atlanta. Not in the TV business anymore. He's actually a fellow podcast host. So uh, here's my conversation with uh, Brandon Seho. He played high school football uh, for the LaSalle Lancers. Did I get that right, Brandon? Yes, punter. <laughs> so not really football, but yeah, you're, you're, I, you, you're on the team. And then I went on to graduate at, in 2015 from the University of Cincinnati, the College of Conservatory of Music Electronic Media Program. And during that, he worked for a local TV station as a sports photographer. Then, like I mentioned, he spent nine months with us here at WTVM, the ABC station in West Georgia as a news reporter and weekend morning anchor. Then a few years as a sports reporter down where LSU is in Baton Rouge before coming home to Cincinnati almost five years ago, taking on uh, maybe what was his dream job as sports reporter and anchor in uh, Cincinnati at WLWT. Now he did uh, take a break, a uh, mental health break from his job, revealing he had battled depression for 15 years and then ended up leaving that TV news and sports job. He, he talked, uh, he's talked in different interviews about how on the outside looked like he was a sports reporter, really living his dream and loving life. But on the inside, he was a broken man that was, had thought about, you know, jumping off a bridge, crashing his car and, and drinking and ending his life. Um, but a little more than a year ago, he checked himself into a mental health hospital and uh, got some therapy, got some treatment classes and medicine. And now he feels a lot happier. And he has also launched, uh, as of last November, the Mental Game podcast. So he's a fellow podcast host. Did that? Uh, he talks to pro athletes, musicians, celebrities, talking about mental health. And the goal here is to help break the stigma he's had on comedian Dane Cook. Uh, actor Kate Flannery from, you know, her from The Office, former NFL running back who played for one of my favorite teams, the Miami Dolphins, Ricky Williams, Browns lineman Joe Thomas. He's had Grammy-nominated Eli Young Band and other musicians and also ESPN reporters. And, and so all kinds of folks uh, that are um, exciting, I'm sure, for him to talk to. And, and I'm excited to talk to uh, Brandon Seho. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Jason. This is uh, crazy, kind of doing a little reunion, what? Eight years ago, I was at WTVM, I think. 
That's right. Yeah. You still look super young. I mean, you're almost 30 <laughs> years old, but you still have that baby face, baby face, Brandon. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, well, you know, we're going to talk about, um, you know, uh, leaving, you know, TV and sports, at least for now and, uh, your podcast and, and, uh, you're, you know, working out and football and kind of the fitness aspect of things. Um, but uh, first I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about your story, but in, in first before that, even, the stigma of mental health. You know, um, I, I've dealt with some issues with folks in my family and it's something that like a lot of times we just, we don't know how to talk about it or we don't want to talk about it because it's the unknown and it, it's difficult to understand. So tell me about, you know, through this whole process for you, uh, why is it so important to kind of get it out there and talk about mental health? Talking save, saves lives. Like that's just the, the most basic way to put it. Um, but the stigma is real. I mean, you know, from growing up, I know from growing up, we didn't talk about mental health. I never had it in school. And like you said, I just graduated college in 2015. I didn't hear it in elementary school, junior high, high school, college. And that's wild to think about. Um, but I remember as a kid, you know, rub some dirt on it. If you get hurt or uh, you're not feeling good, like you're still showing up for work. You're still showing up for the game. That's how things have always been. So I think the conversation really changed when, everyone was forced to look at their mental health in 2020 when the world shut down during COVID-19 because everybody felt alone. They were at their house just with their family. Or if you're like me, single and a young professional or a college student or wherever, you're just stuck in your dorm, your apartment, your house, and you're stuck in your emotions. And so we've done a lot and grown a lot when it comes to speaking up about mental health and the conversations with anxiety and depression and any mental illness. But we still have a long way to go to make it as normal as if you break your arm, you go to the doctor. If you have a problem with your with your mind, you should be able to go to a therapist and it not cost you an arm and a leg or worry about insurance not covering it. So it's so important to break that stigma and open the conversation. And for me, um, I've been lucky to have this platform to kind of – I think people accept it more because of me being open and maybe the job I had on, on TV. But – I'm just trying to make it as comfortable for everyone to talk about as I can. Yeah. And, you know, cause sometimes I think about the fact that when we talk about alcohol abuse and drug addiction mm -hmm. and you hear about people kind of overcoming that and they're celebrated for overcoming addiction, we, we don't really see that as much, you know, with mental health, people that were suicidal or had depression and, and or, or cut themselves. And there's not really a celebration about, Hey, you've overcome you know, depression or anxiety, and maybe that will always be there. But um, it's something that I think that we should be more and more open about because, you know, if, if people aren't talking about it, they may be ending their life instead of talking about it, right? Yeah, no, I agree completely. And that's the the, the idea behind this, this podcast that I started, The Mental Game, was born when I put out a letter when I took that time off and checked myself into the mental health hospital here in Cincinnati. I put out a letter just kind of being open and honest about what I was going through. And I got probably in the ballpark of 1,500 to 2,000 emails, messages, Facebook things, whatever it was from ranging from saying, hey, I had no idea or wishing you the best or I'm in therapy too or I felt the same way as you do, even to a handful of I was thinking about suicide and then I saw this and now I want to go to therapy or check myself in. And when I saw that, I was like, okay. If I can have that little effect being a sports reporter in Cincinnati, what if I get the big names to talk about it more? And the more people talk about it, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or a college student or an NFL player or a musician or a Hollywood star or me or you, Jason, like it's going to help somebody listening because the biggest thing is just making it normal and being relatable like that's that's my favorite part about the interviews and the conversations i have now is i get people all the time that like say joe thomas for example who was a amazing or an amazing lineman for the cleveland browns this big bad tough guy just got elected into the nfl hall of fame this past year he broke down and cried after 10 years of losing and realized his whole career was a failure this is his words. The last time he lost to Tom Brady, his wife had never seen him cry before. He cried when he got to the car and immediately started seeing the Browns team psychiatrist. For me, my hope is that anyone that listened to that, that was a Browns fan or a Wisconsin fan where he went to college to play football, if they're getting fired from their job or going through a divorce or ha struggling with something, they heard, oh, okay, this big, bad NFL lineman 
goes through tough stuff and goes to therapy and get help than I can too. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, you know, kind of, especially coming out of COVID, I think, you know, it's on more TV shows and on more movies. I mean, for those who've watched Ted Lasso, you see the kind of the, the therapy there with the athletes and, and uh, how, you know, these, uh, you know, kind of people that are look like they're superhuman, you know, deal with stuff just like the rest of us do it. And I want to go back with you, Brandon, a little bit. Maybe this could go back to when you were a teenager, but tell me about um, how all this originated because folks may be like, okay, does is a uh, depression something that's genetic or or um, you know or suicidal ideations? You know how for you how did it all kind of come about and and your journey through that? I just remember when I was fourteen. That's when I had the first suicidal thought, and it was just something embarrassing happened at school in my freshman year of high school. And I came home and 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 took out a knife and just looked at it in the kitchen. And you know my mom was coming out to get a glass of water or something. I slam it away and and act like nothing happened, but, um, it was just the feeling of being alone and it, it's not as cut and dry as it sounds because I was a pretty popular kid, always played sports, ha- had, had girlfriends, had good jobs, ha- like enjoyed college, like, um, but the feeling of being alone and not having somebody to talk to, uh, for me, I had always dreamed of being with like a high school sweetheart and getting married right after college. And that's not how things worked out for me. And so that was a big, big part of my depression. Um, I I think as I grew up more and more throughout college and my young professional life, alcohol definitely played a big role in that because one, it's a depressant and two, it's just such a big part of our society. And for me, I kind of use it as a mask to cover up the depression and it was something fun for me to do. Like I was just addicted to the, not even the taste of beer. I mean, like I like the taste of beer now or different, you know, mixed drinks, whatever it is, but I was addicted to that buzz and I'm not somebody that can sit home and have, and this started in college. I can't, can't. And that's a little different because, you know, a lot of people binge drink or party in college, but um, started then where I like everyone else could have like a beer or two hanging out on the couch at home. Or going out to grab a dinner, you know, at your 25, 26, like my life are revolved around, all right, how do I get there? How do I get home? All right. I can get really drunk and have six, seven, eight, nine on the couch by myself watching a game. And I, I think that played a big role in it. And then when I started, you know, the TV jobs, you moved to different cities. Columbus was an adjustment for me. I was used to coming or I was coming from a bigger city in Cincinnati where all my friends and family were. And I, I worked the morning show. So I was sleeping when everyone else was going to dinner or, or having fun out at a night. And I would go out and get drunk by myself uh, for, for with dinner. I did that in Louisiana and I did that in Cincinnati. And I did it at home too, because I just felt alone if I sat at home by myself, but I also felt alone if I was out having dinner. And unfortunately, those suicidal thoughts never stopped until um, just over a year ago. Now, a lot of people think about depression and having suicidal thoughts as somebody that's kind of just like isolated. They kind of and maybe they, and maybe sometimes people for days or at a time or weeks will stay in their room or stay in their house. I mean, obviously, you had a job, jobs to do, those kind of things. But was it something that was just a cloud hanging over you or did you have some months or some years where it was really heavy on you and you felt like, you know, I don't want life to go on anymore. Yeah. I mean, it would come up, um, the suicidal thoughts and really bad depression, you know, every year since I was 14. Um, and it wasn't like, I think they really started to creep in when I was like a senior in college. And then the, you know, like when I got my first job in TV, and just working weird schedules and moving around the country and not having your friends and family near you. Um, and then it just, just the older I got and, and the, and the alone, alone feeling getting bigger and bigger, it was really tough for me. And there were multiple nights where, you know, in Cincinnati, I lived right downtown and, and walked across the bridge to go to a Reds game or the big bar district. And I would walk home all the time, completely, blacked out or really drunk and, and it'd be three or four in the morning. Cause I could just stay at any bar I wanted until they closed the doors. Cause I knew everyone. Cause I was there four or five nights a week. And I would think about jumping off that bridge or 
I had to call my cousin one time to pick me up because I was sitting on the side of the road next to the casino, really drunk, wanting to lay down in traffic. Um, but for me, like the hardest part, I, I was going through, I was having those emotions right around 2020. Then like this, this dream person came into my life and I met who I thought was the love of my life and I could marry. And, um, you know, that was, there was a lot, a lot that went into it. And I keep that like, you know, super private. Um, but that relationship was like all or nothing for me. That, that was so like, I'd never experienced being in love like that or feeling like I had a best friend that knew everything about me and, and didn't, didn't care that I, I was depressed sometimes or, that I liked Skyline Chili or whatever it is. I mean, um, and so when that crashed and burned, it was a long process and it was a toxic breakup and both sides did things wrong and it was long and drug out. And I ended up being, you know, suicidal for three months. And I, like you mentioned, not wanting to get up out of bed, I would wait until I had to be at work at 2.30. I think I'd get out of bed at 1.45, shower real quick, put the suit on and go in and I like I wasn't myself and I lost three family members my cousin Ben who's like my older brother my grandma and my uncle who's my godfather all in three months during the Bengals Super Bowl run and at that same time her and I were breaking up and it was just like it was too much to handle and I couldn't like I would, people saw me smiling on TV or smoking a cigar with the Bengals, and I like looked like I was having the time of my life, and and professionally I was. But as soon as that camera was off, I'm on the phone fighting with my ex, or like crying in the corner of a of a tunnel in Kansas City at a, at the Chiefs Stadium. Like, um, it was just a really really tough three months, and I knew that once the, once the Bengals lost the Super Bowl everything really crashed and burned with her and I and the depression, and the suicidal thoughts got too much where I had those drunk nights walking home. I was going out four or five nights a week still. And I knew it was like, uh, it was the worst when I woke up one day, like hysterically crying at like 10 or 11 o'clock, completely sober in the morning. And I wrote a goodbye letter and I just took a handful of pills that I had around the house and prayed to God. I didn't wake up. And thankfully I did like two or three hours later and that's when I, I, you know, knew I have to check myself in somewhere or I'm not going to be alive. And that's a really weird feeling to have. But I was lost. Like I had no it's just crazy to look back a year ago where I was mentally. But I I really didn't want to be here and I had no purpose in life. I didn't have a sense of of wanting to be alive. And that's just a really hard emotion to explain. But I was really alone. Well, we're certainly glad you're here and you're doing great work and, and uh, you're definitely a friend and uh, we appreciate your honesty sharing your story. And I want to talk a little bit about the help that you got and, and people getting help and therapy. Mm -hmm. But before, but right before we get to that, I want to talk about how, you know, like for me, when I was working with you, you were a young guy and we kind of, you know, worked different schedules, but we, you know, kind of uh, were friendly with each other and, and you made friends, I'm sure, when you worked uh, in TV in Baton Rouge and Cincinnati mm -hmm. and and uh, maybe, you know, the coworkers didn't know anything and maybe your family, like your, you know, your, your parents or, or your brother, maybe they didn't know anything. So are there red flags that people need to kind of really watch out for? Or is it something that you kind of worked really hard at hiding your um, your depression and your suicidal thoughts? I think there are red flags um, that you can look out for, but it's also like well disguised. You see the happiest people in the world on the outside that are dealing with the biggest depression I'll put me as one of them. Like no one knew I was going through that besides, you know, my mom and dad had known I'd gone through some stuff and probably had a little bit of a problem with drinking. I finally went to therapy for the first time after 2020, it took me 15 years or whatever, 13, I'm bad at math, but, um, to finally go to therapy. So if it takes me that long patient zero, then it's going to take an everyday person who's just having slight depression or mild anxiety a long time to go get help. The red flags are, you know, it depends on the person, but bad coping mechanisms. So when something goes wrong in their life, they're doing what I used to do all the time where they're going out and getting really drunk or hanging out with people maybe that they don't really know or shouldn't be hanging out with. They're they're letting their their health go away where they stop working out. 
They don't respond to text or calls. Um, but it, it's 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 different to each person, and that's the hard part with mental health is that like there's not a book or, or a guide that fits it, it's one size fit, fits all. Um, but like the two words of advice that I have for anyone going or two like main points for advice to anyone going through anything or that they see anyone going through anything. Number one is do something like it doesn't matter if it's calling your mom or calling your friend, going to therapy or checking yourself in like I did. Just do something. And then the other point is feelings are temporary. Whatever you're feeling right now or when you're depressed, they are temporary. And I was so messed up and depressed that I would have never listened to that a year ago. But it's the truth. When I look back, like all of that breakup, um, it was the biggest thing of my life at the time. And it's still one of the most influential moments for me because it changed, you know, my life. But it was just a it was a temporary feeling, even though it was really sad and depressing. Um, so those are like the two things that I try to tell people to really focus on. Because as much as friends and family can help or a therapist, like it's got to be inside you. Like I'm so thankful that I had the willpower to know I wasn't going to be here if I didn't check myself in. Not everybody has that willpower. So like it does depend on on you making that change yourself, but knowing to look out for stuff can certainly help with your family and friends. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of being that uh, that ear to listen because somebody may be reaching out to you in a subtle way, a coworker, a friend, a family member and you know just kind of listen just watching for those signs and sometimes like for me like with my christian faith the holy spirit can lead you like okay hey go over and talk to brandon or or hey listen um give, give him a call or a text you know because if you so if you have those thoughts those that still small voice you know do it don't don't right. don't hesitate because you never know that text or that how that could impact and could save somebody's life no question about it and i want to add to that like the text the facetime the call just opening a door for somebody that you don't know but like as, as i'm trying to say this nicely as annoying as it can be sometimes to be that punching bag for someone or to, to listen for 30 minutes or an hour on the phone like listening can do so much i mean I'm single now and I'm running my own business out of my house and I'm traveling all over the country all the time and I don't have that best friend anymore or girlfriend to like talk to. I bug my parents, I bug my friends, like old coworkers and they listen, but um listening makes a huge difference. Um but also speaking up like it's so hard to get people that are just not willing to open up or are scared to that's why the stigma thing breaking that is such a big deal yeah so so you're saying you're single and ready to mingle is that right or sure yeah that's <laughs> i guess that's a way to that's a way to look at it luckily for me like and i think a lot of people struggle with this that alone feeling is i still get sad sometimes that i'm sure single and, and i wish i was married and maybe had kids by now but like finding out what loving yourself and taking care of yourself and being okay, being alone is something that I've never felt before in my life. And I still see, you know, my ex out cause we, we have mutual friends and I see things or hear about stories from other friends and things like that. And that might bother me in the moment a little bit, but loving yourself is a really, really powerful thing. And that's a hard thing to, to get out. So yeah, I mean, would I love to meet my wife tomorrow. Absolutely. That would be awesome. But it's not draining all of my energy and emotions every single day like it was a year ago or for a lot of my life. Yeah, it's not as a priority for you. And but I think that, you know, like you said, I mean, loving yourself and being comfortable in your own skin. I mean, because like we're all different people and none of us are perfect uh, and none of us will be perfect. Right. Um that we all have, you know, and we all have gifts and things that we're better at and that we were given. And, and, um, for you, I know, you know, um, I want to get into the podcast a little bit, but I know you, I saw you had made some sweatshirts that say therapy is cool, which is cool. Yes. That's a, a kind of a simple statement. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, going, and you said like you, the, you going to therapy, it was like 13 years into your, uh, you know, kind of journey through depression, um, uh, and suicidal thoughts. And so, 
what would you tell folks about the importance of like going to therapy or even like taking the extreme step of checking yourself into a mental health hospital? Um, because I mean, sometimes, especially, you know, I think as men, we have a pride issue and we don't right. reaching out for help means makes us look weak or for like a professional athlete reaching out for help makes you look weak. Right. Right. And I, I'm going to use a specific example from when I was at the Linder center of hope, which is the, um, mental health hospital here in Cincinnati, amazing place, saved my life. But you mentioned it right there. They asked why I didn't want to open up the first couple of days. And I just said, well, I don't want to be a, can't say that word on this program, but a wimp basically. And the therapist stopped me right there and was like, that's the problem. I'm like what? She's like, that's part of the, the stigma around men's mental health. And I like had no idea because I had been a insert word wimp my entire life where I just thought like I was one of one, like crying all the time or being emotional about relationships or work and things like that. So therapy, um, it is cool. I printed that on shirts and it, it's kind of a, just a way to, to make that statement super simple. But for me, what I, I was hesitant. I, I waited a long time to go and I, I'm, I'm sad that I, that I did that, but therapy is so simple and it is, beneficial. You don't have to go every week unless you really need it. You can go once a month, every couple months, every two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. But just talking to somebody that's unbiased, that wants to help you work through emotions and depression and anxiety and just get you through life, kind of like a coach, like a coach player relationship, but they don't know anything about you. Like my therapist had no idea who I was. She has no idea about sports and she really has helped me, like I said, love myself and get past that relationship. And she got me into the mental health facility that I needed to be in when I was suicidal right away. Um, but it is tough to open up. And I, you mentioned Kate Flannery earlier. One of the, one of the things she said when talking about going to therapy is like she didn't like her first one, and she said shop around because you know try different ones, and it sucks because you're like, all right, I waited eight weeks to get in here. And I don't really feel a connection or I don't feel like I'm benefiting from it. And you got to start over with somebody else. But like, that's what you have to do just to find that person. Like I went through a couple, um, she went through a few. It's very, very common to not, this is, sounds really bad, but just like any job there, there's, there's, there's bad. I'm not saying this is you. There's bad TV anchors. There's bad uh, athletes. There, there's bad therapists. And so you just have to figure out what works best for you. And I'm thankful that I did. And I hope if you're struggling or, or, or contemplating going to therapy, please give it a try. Cause I promise it helps just somebody unbiased to help you navigate through your emotions. And for those, you know, if you're contemplating suicide, there's obviously there's help just a few digits away. You can call the national suicide prevention lifeline and that's nine eight eight. So, I mean, that's a quick, like if you just need to like uh, you know, or, or call a family member, call somebody and don't just like do it alone, you know? Um, and one I last promise, thing, can I interrupt you real quick? Yep, Cause sure, I, pro sure. I promise if you feel that way and, and you're worried about opening up or telling your parents or telling your friends or coworkers, whoever you put that trust in, they want you here and they want to help you. Like no matter what stigma it is, like you could have a, a, a parent or, or a sibling that's like, not totally understanding what you're going through and maybe not super supportive at first because they don't understand the depression that you've been going through for a few months or a few years, but they want to help you and and they'll, they'll help you pay for therapy or they'll help you get out of that suicidal thought you're having right there. They'll come pick you up from the bar. If you're drunk, if you're 10 hours away, like that is my, my thing is like have that willpower and confidence that your family and friends love you. And they want to help you, even if they don't know how to just call them in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the overriding um, idea that they want you still around and they want to love you, that will trump the idea of maybe will they judge me? Will they, you know, kind of that, right. So I, that's going to trump that all day long. And the last thing on kind of about your mental health journey, we talk about fitness and faith on this podcast. So, you know, and I, I know I've heard you on your some of your episodes talk about how you had stopped working out and, and how that was just not a thing for you. So for you, in, in terms of uh, this journey has, you know, um, you know, your your religious faith or, or your your kind of being physically fit. Have those been uh, kind of some key cogs to this? 
For sure. And I think both have a connection. I mean, just to be completely honest, I grew up in um, the Catholic faith and was uh, going every week in school and in high school. And then like I joke about like casual Catholics in Cincinnati where we go four times a year, wedding, funerals, uh, Easter and Christmas. So yeah. that's kind of, that's, that's kind of where I was at. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not like a practicing Catholic anymore, but I am like really religious to myself. I pray all the time to God and, and ask, you know, certain things and ask for guidance. You know, like I said, when I wrote that suicide goodbye letter sober, I prayed to not wake up and thankfully, you know, he's looking over me and knows that that wasn't part of my plan and my path. And, um, so it's, it, that's been a, a, a part of my journey for sure on my own. And I think in 2023, yeah, that's what year it is. Like a lot of people are kind of like me where they might not go to church every Sunday, but they believe in God and kind of keep it to themselves. Um, and I think that can be powerful, but yeah, working out too. Um, I remember like when I was at my worst or sorry, right before that, I like, I started going to orange theory, which is a super fun place to work out. And in like four months, I lost 25 pounds because I was going every single day, like focusing on it. And for me, it was like super important to once I saw the results and how it made me feel like when you go work out and one, you can lose like 20, 25 pounds. That's incredible. But just the daily thing of like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go. But then once you're like 30 minutes in, you're like, all right, only 30 more minutes to go. And once you're done, you just have that like natural high of, all right, I feel better. I accomplished something. So yeah, both both play a part um, in mental health because anything that makes you feel good or feel better is going to help your mental health. Yeah. And um, before we jump into your podcast, you know, are you, uh, do you miss TV? I mean, I know that obviously, you know, no. you... Uh, you, you've been <laughs> doing this for a long time. You love reporting on sports. You, you did some news when you were with us here in Georgia. So is this something that, like, I know that, um, boy, what an exciting, thrilling job, stressful um, many times, and you're going live, and it's you're at some cool places like the Super Bowl. So is that something that you uh, miss or you think kind of definitely worth it to, for your health? No, I do not miss it. Um, um, that's the simple answer, but I am thankful and grateful for all the opportunities from WTVM to WBRZ and Baton Rouge covering LSU and the saints to like coming home. That was my dream job and I got to do it. And that was the comfortable thing for me that like when I was debating on walking away was I'm comfortable walking away because I got to accomplish everything that I wanted to. And not a lot of people, unfortunately, can say that. And so to live out my dream at the 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 NBC station in Cincinnati covering my favorite teams, the Reds, the Bengals, UC Bearcats, high school football, like that was so much fun for me and I loved it. But I just felt like I was ready for something new. And my time, like all the signs were just kind of pointing for me to to move my life and work and job in a different direction. But I absolutely love what I did. I think the way TV's changing, um, you've seen it. Anyone that works in the business listening knows it. There's just less people around and more shows and it's just a grind. And I don't think I was willing to give up that work-life balance anymore because you do work late nights. You work every, I mean, shoot, the first time I had back-to-back weekends off since college was when I checked myself in. And that's just a harsh reality of working in sports and you do some cool things. I went to London with the Bengals and, and reported on a game in London. I, I, I covered them on their way to the Super Bowl. I've, I've done big NCAA tournament games and MLB games. It, it's been a dream come true. I've met people like Shaq that I would have no other reason to meet or Joe Burrow. And I loved it. It was a great chapter in my life. But no, I don't I, I don't miss it. I miss the people because that's a big part of it. It's like a family when you work in, in media. But I don't see myself going back just because this is I get up every single day and I'm so pumped to work on the podcast. Yeah. And you and you get to be a, a fan uh, that doesn't have to report on or you get who day. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a nice change of pace. I mean, I miss some of the uh, some of the perks of like being able to walk on the field and talk to NFL players. But 
Um, it is fun for the first time being a fan since college and like experiencing tailgating or going on road trips um, or just being able to go out and watch March Madness. Like it, it's so much fun. Yeah. But you talked about that. You get to talk to some famous athletes as part of the podcast. In fact, you just recently talked to Joe Burrow's parents, getting mm -hmm. some national attention for that. And, and, uh, and, and, and maybe people were surprised by some of these, you know, uh, actors or uh, ESP and anchors that, you know, have these stories of like going through anxiety or depression or kind of talking, being open about it. So uh, how's it going with the, the mental game podcast? It's a uh, fun ride. It's new for me starting something new and taking it all on my own. Um, I it's my baby. It's 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 all me. I uh, drive 10 hours to New York or fly to L.A. with three suitcases of, of gear and I book everyone. I edit everything. I, I, I run social media like this is all me. And I feel really lucky because it is like a purpose for me and I care about it. And I've been lucky because the guests that I get to come on, I think one, they come on because of they can see that I was a person in media, but then I have a really genuine story of, of, of mental health and battling suicide. And that helps them come on the show and then open up even more. And so it feels like the tip of the iceberg for me. And, and I'm finally starting to get it rolling, but it's been cool. We mentioned Ricky Williams, Kate Flannery, Joe Thomas, Marky Basie is my favorite musician. He's an R&B singer. And like, I, I wish I could like package this up and give it to somebody for their birthday or Christmas once in their life to be able to go to your favorite artist house and listen to a new album with them. Like it was awesome. Like that episode was his music. My mom and his music are, are, are reasons why I didn't jump off a bridge or lay down in traffic. So that was like, Super cool for me to to listen to music with him, but it's a grind. It's no different than a TV job. Um, it's probably more work, but it's all on me, and that's something that like I'm starting to embrace. It's a challenge, but I'm starting to embrace and get used to. Yeah, and, and the podcast uh, space has really exploded over the last five or ten years, and maybe you know COVID kind of uh, maybe helped it along as well. Um, so is this something that you feel like, I mean, um, uh, cause some people say, well, can podcasting be a full-time job? Can you kind of, uh, you know, um, live on that? So tell me about how that's been for you. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely baby steps with this being the mental game, being a full-time gig and my, my job, but it is, uh, you can make it a job. It, it's a lot of work. It, it takes a, uh, some time. Like I'm, I thought that you know, my podcast might grow a little bit faster than it has, but I'm learning new things like, like something very, very simple. Like I, I recorded everything kind of like we do in TV. It's meant for your HD TV for, you know, the first five to 10 episodes. Well, everything is on the phone now. And so it needs to be like in vertical, like whatever that dimensions are. I'm blanking. It's been like a 13 hour day for me already, <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. Like you just learn new things. And so um, it, it's been awesome. I think it it's, you have to do the sales, you have to do the graphics, you have to do the booking. Like you get just like, I'm learning what it's like if anyone's listening, that's worked in sales or started their own business, because I get these celebrities to come on or big time athletes to come on the show, but you don't see the hundreds and hundreds of no's. And it's a grind, but I, I, I truly believe that this can be a full-time thing and seeing moments and of growth. Like you mentioned this past week, you know, uh, my podcast was on sports center and on different national media outlets, you know, on their websites, like it, like the NFL, literally the NFL tweeted out and put on Facebook and Instagram, me talking to Joe Burrow's parents about, Joe and his foundation covering 20 families, mental health bills here in Cincinnati who are in danger of losing their services. So like seeing little victories like that, it motivates me. But the biggest thing is like the messages I get where it's somebody and I'm, I, it sucks because I'm at the point, it's good and bad. I'm at the point now where I can't reply to everything, but I at least read them all. And I replied as many as I can where it's, Hey, I've been going through the same thing as you like this, this episode with, 
Ryan Shazier motivated me to finally go to therapy or this episode with Kate Flannery made me not feel so alone or, or your story is making me want to go out and, 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 and work for my dream job. Like that stuff, that is the biggest satisfaction I can get right now. And I hope that is just going to grow times 10,000 million or whatever number it is over the next couple of years. Yeah. The goal is global domination, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's going to be like, I hope that you and I can like look back at, at this interview and I can talk about how I'm in my house that I'm renting with like one light and a microphone that I just got out of my car ran and, and I'm in some Hollywood studio in two years from now and it's completely yeah. different, but you got to work for it. And I, I, you worked hard getting to where you're at and you've been through ups and downs. It's just, just a process. You just need to try to book Aaron Rodgers like every week on your podcast, you know, and then uh, <laughs> break some news for you. <laughs> I wish I could get him on. Um, that would be cool. Once uh, all this settles in New York, I might reach out, but there's like some bucket list people that, I've been able to at least get in touch with, like, I'm not afraid to reach out to anyone. I've got all the way to president Obama's personal assistant and I got to know, but Hey, they got my contact info now a year from now, I'll reach out or the same with Steve Carell. Like that's a dream guest for me because I love the office and Michael Scott's like the most iconic TV yeah. character for me. Um, but they said no, but, be, but Dane cook heard about it from his agent from, from Steve Carell's agent. And so that's how Dane and I got connected. So that was a cool thing to happen. Yeah. And, and you know, all those cold calls you have to do and all that work behind the scenes that people don't see, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, on the phone for five hours or traveling for 10 or 12 hours, you know, it's, it's for you. I'm sure it's all worth it because of what you're trying to do. I mean, it's called the mental game podcast and trying to, and if it touches one person, that conversation or, you know, um, touches a lot. I mean, that's really the the goal here. So what what uh, you know, what do you hope? Because, you know, you're talking to celebrities, maybe somebody's a big fan of the Cincinnati Bengals or they're a fan of of this TV show or of this artist and, and they want to listen. But what do you hope people really get from these conversations in terms of uh, whether they're dealing with something you know related to mental health or not? Just that. If they are dealing with depression or anxiety, like I mentioned before, the feelings are temporary and anyone that I talk to that's been through stuff and everyone has that's been on the show, they'll say the same thing. Um, also, just like being relatable. People think that, you know, Joe Burrow hasn't been on the podcast yet, I hope. Um, <laughs> I hope that's going to happen. Um, but like everyone thinks Joe Burrow is this, 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 you know, godly like figure who has no problems and and not going through anything, but like, I know he like doesn't want anything to do with interviews and the media. He just wants to play football. You know, he doesn't like the fame, but that's part of his life now. And that's part of being the star quarterback in the NFL, but just people relating to that and hearing that from either, you know, him or somebody that I've had on the podcast already. It's just being relatable and knowing that everyone goes through stuff. And you have to figure out a way to get through it and to get help if you need it. But just being relatable, that's like the biggest thing. And I know, you know, you, um, I think what, what people kind of uh, tend to gravitate towards is when we are authentic, you know, whether we are somebody that's in a, a, in a public figure as, you know, TV news reporter, or anchor or, or sports reporter, or athlete, musician, mm -hmm. uh, actor, actress, you know, um, is the being authentic and being genuine and not trying to hide behind that mask. Because, you know, I think people respect when you talk about how, hey, I've, I've had issues and, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be up front with you about it, you know, because a lot of times we try to put on this perfect, you know, put on the suit and make everything yep. look shiny with lights and makeup and all that kind of stuff, which is fine to do. But I think it's also okay to be vulnerable. And uh, you've talked on your podcast, you've had some one-offs episodes where you've talked solo about, um, you know, alcohol. And you talked about that a little bit earlier on this episode about, um, and I think re recently you hit the 100 days sober, you know, so what's that been like for you? And how important is that for you to, because I know, you know, going to games, hanging out with folks, you know, watching stuff, going out to bars and drinking has been a, a big part of your life for a decade. Yeah. Um, I hadn't gone more than a week of not drinking since I was 17. And I probably drink if not every day, almost every day since I was 22. Um, so yeah, it was a big part of my life. And, you know, 
I just got to the point where I was tired of feeling depressed when I was drunk or like waking up and, and being hung over. And, and just, I just saw it like it's an addiction. It can control your life. And so just like your mental health, figuring out how to, how the best practices and some people can cut back. Some people can enjoy a couple here and there for me. I just wanted to cut it out right away. Not right away, cut it out, you know, cold Turkey and make that change right away so that I could see it if it really helped. And like, I don't know if I'll ever drink again. I don't, I, I, I don't want to put that pressure on myself. So I won't say that definitively, but I just don't see the point. Like there's just, I, I've, I've got to, you know, go some cool places drunk or meet some, some celebrities while I've, you know, been at, at a bar or a club or something like that. And that's super cool, but I can go out and have the same fun. Now those first two weeks were, were really tough. I tried to quit a few times earlier this year and I made it to like day four or five and then had a few beers on the couch or finally went out to a bar cause I was, I was upset about something, but I feel really, really good. And it's just, I might be tired when I wake up for work in the morning, but I'm not going to feel like crap. And so, um, yeah, I feel 10 times better doing that. And the same bars that would greet me with a Coors Light or a shot of tequila when I used to walk in in downtown Cincinnati or in my neighborhood, now they know that they have a Powerade or a lemonade waiting for me, and it's just as fun. Yeah, and, you know, along with, uh, you know, what your people's drink of choice, whether it be water or beer or whatever – what about what about food? Okay, so I, I know that I, I went to Cincinnati recently, and uh, <laughs> uh, well, about a year or two ago, and I, I tried the Skyline Chili. I did like it. Um, so, what what is uh, what's what's favorite foods, or is there if people go to Cincinnati, which you love, it's your hometown. What do people need to like try a certain kind of food? I, I actually I went to is it Finlay Market that's there? Yeah, Finlay Market. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Skyline is the number one food that Cincinnati's known for. It is different so i'm glad you like it like i grew up on it it can be an acquired taste but it's either chili cheese mustard onions on a hot dog which is called a cheese coney or a three-way which is chili uh cheese and and spaghetti noodles very weird if you've never seen it before but <laughs> yeah. i i love it and it, i had it yesterday actually um but with cincinnati yeah, philly market's a super cool place it's almost like an international market with 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 food and different clothing and shops and it's really cool but the big thing for cincinnati that's really boomed over the last few years is the breweries i mean there are so many options and cool places to go Food is a huge thing in the over the Rhine entertainment district or the banks down by the reds and the Bengal stadiums. That's what I recommend. It, it's so much fun to just, I call it the, the biggest small town or the smallest big city in the country, because you can get everything that you want in New York or Miami besides maybe the beach here in Cincinnati, <laughs> maybe here in Cincinnati, but you don't have to deal with the traffic or the high rent or just the craziness of a billion people being there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, I appreciate it, Brandon. And, and, uh, if you, uh, ever come back to, to visit Georgia or Alabama, let us know, we'll, we'll take you out for some good barbecue or, uh, something like that and, uh, and have a good time. And so where can folks find you? If, uh, where's the best place in terms of website, Twitter, Instagram, what's, uh, in terms of if people, and I guess you're on Spotify and all the normal podcast platforms. Yeah, the mental game is pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all of that. But I like to try to drive people to YouTube because you can watch these episodes and, and you can learn just by hearing the conversations and seeing the emotions of, of the guest. I think that helps a lot. So it's just the mental game podcast. If you type that into Google or YouTube or any podcast platform or social media, you'll find it. Um, it's been super cool. And I think... Like I mentioned, I'm kind of at a tip of the iceberg moment, I hope, where a few, probably like a year from now, I hope it's a lot bigger than where it's at now. But I can't give away guests that I have lined up, but it is going to be super fun here coming up soon. Well, now that you've been on the Run the Race podcast, I mean, you're going to get flooded with- Yes, uh, with true. <laughs> do I have to start? Do I have to start running? Because I hate running. Yes. Well, no, run the race uh, kind of deals. Well, the, the name comes from a, a verse in the Bible in Hebrew is talking about running the race of perseverance in life. Okay. And so uh, it, that's, uh, that's really what I talk about. I, mean, I, I love running, but I'm um, just talking about just trying to you know be, be better, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually. And uh, we're, we're all trying to, you know, trying to be better. I mean, better right. versions of ourselves. 
And um, so no pressure. And I, and I love talking to guests like you who have inspiring, motivating stories. And you, you've been through a lot of mess and come out on the other side of it. And, and so we're rooting for you to continue to, uh, to be successful, uh, not only, you know, uh, you personally, but also for the Mental Game podcast. So definitely rooting for you on uh, here at WTVM. Thanks, Jason. This has been fun. I love the meaning behind the podcast. I know you're going to go around like six miles tomorrow morning or something like that. <laughs> I will be, uh, I'll be having my monster energy drink, uh, on the laptop the same time you're running. So I'll enjoy it just as much. <laughs> I, I run so I can eat more of, uh, of chili or whatever else. See, okay. Eat. That's, that's see when you cut out beer and alcohol completely, you still need to work out, but it helps a lot. Yeah, that calorie. So it's, it has this added benefit for your mental health and also for your uh, for your belly, because, I mean, you're almost 30. So, you know, you got to watch yourself. Metabolism has stopped. I, but but the, <laughs> but the beer, no beer now definitely helps me being less fat. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Brandon. And I hope everybody listens to the uh, the Mental Game podcast. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. This has been awesome. It was great catching up with uh, with Brandon. I hadn't seen him, uh, at least in person, in several years. And sounds like he's doing much better in his hometown of Cincinnati. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll get to meet up with him sometime. We'll share some uh, Skyline Chili. And, uh, so, uh, and definitely check out his uh, podcast, The Mental Game, by Chatterbox Sports. He's got a new episode out on Tuesday, which I think is when this episode will come out. So make sure to check it out. It's with uh, Shaquille Leonard, who's an Indianapolis Colts a linebacker, one of the best in the NFL. Uh, who's been tackling a lifelong battle with depression because you just you really never know what people are going through. You see them in the limelight or see them on TV or on the field or on the court, whatever else, and um, you just never know. You just, maybe you see a coworker or you know um, somebody that you see in church or the grocery store, and you know it's it's, um, it's something that we all need to uh, really have grace with others and uh, think about you know hey they they may be going through a lot. So uh, give them grace and mercy, just like God gives us, right? Closing uh, this episode in prayer, dear God, uh, just um, we pray for all those battling um, mental health disorders. Uh, for those, Lord God, just help bring healing to their uh, mind and body and help them to know that uh, there are people around them that are there to support them and love them, not judge them. And God, you are the ultimate, um, you know, a person who, who is there for them uh, and, and, and their, in their mind, in their heart. And uh, your Holy Spirit works to just comfort us in our time of weakness, our time of uh, just not knowing what to do and where to go, and that we want to end it. Lord God, that you have so much for us. And uh, we know that uh, you want us to live a life more abundantly and, and be alive. Um, thanks to you and giving you all the glory. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, for joining us. And um, appreciate you tuning in for uh, podcasts like Run the Race and The Mental Game and uh, having some serious conversations we hope, uh, you know, really can help change people's lives in, in a positive way and uh, bring some, some new awareness to things that that uh, maybe, you know, we're not, uh, we don't talk about enough. So I uh, appreciate you listening in. And uh, we're gonna, we'll continue these conversations about fitness and faith. Uh, going to talk about some running coming up in the, the upcoming uh, weeks and Father's Day. Uh, I've got a doctor who recently wrote a book. I'm hoping to talk to him about um, his son's struggle with addiction and how, uh, how God was, uh, was right there in the center of that healing. So uh, until next time, see y'all later.